Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast, and I am one of your intrepid hosts. My name is John Puma from the Sake Notes. I'm also the administrator over at the Internet Sake Discord and the uh, lead moderator at r slash sake over on Reddit. Come and join us sometime. And I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I'm a sake samurai. I'm a sake educator as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Ah, good to be back, Tim. Yes. I, I, I enjoy this recording an episode with you every week. It's a good, it's a good time. It's a real good time. And um, we have not done, unless I'm mistaken, I might, you know, maybe I wasn't paying attention or something like that, but I don't think we've done an episode of the type we're going to do today in quite a while. Quite is that, a while. Is that right? That's right. Mm. We're going to be examining a prefecture, sake from uh-huh. a prefecture, but this is kind of a 180 from our usual because we tend to focus on prefectures that are abundant in sake. And this time yeah. we're looking at a prefecture that's really not so famous for sake. Not so famous for sake. All right. So we, we, we've done all the, the Niigatas of the world and the, and the Yamagatas <laughs> where there are yes. dozens of breweries and all that fun stuff. Yes. And, uh, and what are we talking about today? Well, we're venturing into frenemy territory. Okay. So <laughs> frenemy territory, Tim. Coming from you, that can only mean one thing. I think... And maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like something that I hear out of you when shochu comes up. <laughs> yes, we're talking about Japanese sake from a prefecture that is world famous for shochu. <laughs> <laughs> a stranger in a strange land. Yes. So today we're going to be looking at Kagoshima. Oh, Kagoshima. So Kagoshima, if my memory uh, is uh, serving me correctly, is also on uh, Kyushu Island. Yes. Um, not too far away from Saga, yeah. which we have visited on the show a few times, including just last week. Yeah. So Saga Prefecture is on Kyushu, but if you go to the very south, the bottom mm-hmm. part of Kyushu Island, that's one of the four main islands of Japan. It's the furthest west Right, And it's the most kind of subtropical in temperature and climate of the four main islands. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the very southern part of Kyushu Island, you're going to go to Kagoshima. Mm. Yeah. And um, there are, get this, hold on to your hat, John Puma. I'm ready. There are 113 distilleries in Uh Kagoshima. (laughs) I thought you were going to say sake breweries. And I was no. like, wow, that's a lot more than I was expecting. And then you went shochu distilleries. And I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. So with that number in our mind, um, what is the sake brewery count? <laughs> well, it's low. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it more than two? <laughs> no. <laughs> really? There are Two by the hair exactly of our chinny two. chin chin. Oh, <laughs> there right. are two sake breweries in Kagoshima. Well then, yeah, two sake breweries and 113 shochu distilleries. Yes, that's like I imagine shochu very popular in Kagoshima. Then, yes. So for our listeners who may not be familiar, 
maybe we should talk a little bit about sake versus shochu. Like we've never talked about shochu on the the show before. So quickly, what is shochu and how is it different from sake? Yeah. All right. Um, so yes, Tim, what is shochu? <laughs> well, do you, do you, you probably know as much as I do on this one. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, all right. Well, let me lead off then. Uh, I know that uh, shochu is a distilled spirit, unlike sake, which is a fermented beverage. And typically shochu is made from uh, sweet potatoes or sometimes rice or sometimes barley. Mm-hmm. Those are like probably the most common yep. distillates yeah. that are in shochu. Yeah. And that's the most of what I know. About yeah, shochu. you nailed it. You nailed yeah, it. All right, like, great. The, the major difference is, is that sake is naturally fermented and shochu is a distilled beverage. So that's mm. makes a spirit. So the alcohol percentage of the finished product for shochu is higher. Yes. And it's a distillation process. So that's in a nutshell, that's really the key difference. Right. And Geographically, Kagoshima has something about it that makes it more suited for shochu versus sake. So the the soil is volcanic soil, and it's actually more suited to growing sweet potatoes than it is to growing rice. So mm. that's one of the major reasons that shochu developed here. And the other reason is that it's a subtropical climate. Mm-hmm. And Sake really does well in those cold, snowbound regions. Yes. The northern part of Japan is really famous for its sake. And before they had refrigeration, you needed those ice-cold temperatures in the winter to ensure you know, really solid, cold fermentation temperatures. And we just don't have that in Kagoshima, which is in really the, the very southern part of this subtropical climate of Kyushu. Mm. So over the centuries, this became literally the hot spot for shochu. All right. Yeah. So this is like shochu's Niigata. <laughs> this is shochu's Niigata. <laughs> yes. Right now, right now, some like shochu people are like rolling their eyes. <laughs> yes. We should have put a warning on this episode. If you're if you're a shochu lover or expert, please uh, tamper your you may expectations. Be offended by this content. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, uh, and not only are there 113 distilleries in Kagoshima, but I also read it is number one in shochu consumption. Mm-hmm. So they are drinking what they're making in Kagoshima. That's, that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so what on earth are we doing in Kagoshima? <laughs> well, you did mention there's two sake breweries. Yeah, there are two sake uh, breweries, yes. yes and yes, yes. There's, there's an interesting story about one of them. So... The, the two breweries that we have in Kagoshima that make sake, one is called Hamada Shuzo. Mm-hmm. And this is a shochu distillery that also makes one kind of sake. And Nishi Shuzo. Mm-hmm. And Nishi Shuzo is a very famous shochu distillery. And the interesting thing about them, they've been around since 1845 okay. as a shochu distillery. But they got a sake brewing license in, get this, hold onto your hat, 2020. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so they're new to the sake game then. 
So until twenty, so so in in 2019, there was only one sake brewery yeah. in Kagoshima. That's that's what my takeaway is from this. Yes. I looked back at my notes and I had Kagoshima one sake brewery, and then I'm like, wait, this isn't adding up. And then I found mm. out that Nishishuzo got their sake brewing license in 2020, mm-hmm. in July 2020. So yeah, so they have not All been right. making sake for a long time. And they've been making shochu for a long time, though. <laughs> yes, since <laughs> 1845. Uh, and the main brand that they make for shochu is Hozang. That's okay. the name of their shochu brand. And they specialize in emo shochu, which is that sweet potato shochu. Mm-hmm. So since they're in a region that is good for getting sweet potatoes, they are you know, using the local crop and making shochu and making shochu for a century and a half. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, it it is amazing. And what's exciting for me is that you and I have both gotten our hands on a bottling of the one of the first sakes that Nishishuzo is making. Mm-hmm. And this has only been around since 2020. And that is incredibly rare. As we say every week on the show, most sake breweries have been around for a century plus, plus, plus. So, and, so is this the most recent sake brewery in Japan? <laughs> it, it might be. be. I don't know. Do, do we have be. that information? It could be. I think we do have to shout out our podcast buddies at Japan Distilled. Yes, we do. So if there are any listeners who are interested in exploring shochu more, there is a... Japanese shochu slash awamori podcast out there. Our friends Stephen Lyman and Christopher Pellegrini do a great podcast on distilled beverages called Japan Distilled. So if you're interested in learning more about shochu, please check out Japan Distilled and uh, you'll really enjoy their podcast as well. And, and tell them Sake Revolution sent you. Tell them Sake Revolution <laughs> sent you from the world of sake. <laughs> yeah. Which is a good beverage. People should try it. Yes. So it's 113 distilleries to two sake breweries. And um, we are... One, one coming in real hot. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a freshman I know. sake I know. brewery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so Nishishuzo now making sake, and uh, what are they calling their sake? They're not using uh, hozan, right? No, that is for their emo or their potato shochu. Mm -hmm. The brand name for their sake is Tenbu. Mm. And that means like kind of natural gifts. And I think that refers to the gifts of nature from this region. So they are 100% committed to using the local water and rice to make their sake. And Nishishuzo actually sells their brewing water as mineral water. So you can buy their water bottled up. And that's called Home. So they Mm -hmm. have a brand name for their mineral water. And that's used in brewing. They have a brand name for the mineral water. Yes. Amazing. Yes. So they are really into local. So the rice that they use is grown locally. And the water that they use is their house mineral water. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say, I bought this sake on a lark because I knew 
that I would never, when I, when I saw Kagoshima sake on the shelf, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, this is very rare. There's mm-hmm. a handful of breweries in this region. So I know you and I both picked it up and I have no idea what to expect from this. Have you had this before, John? Yes, Tim. Actually, I have uh, on a few occasions. Well, it's super interesting because I have never had this sake. I don't think I've ever had sake from Kagoshima in my whole mm-hmm. life. So we're mm-hmm. going to get a true blind react from me. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get to it then. Let's get yeah, into let's... this. Let's get into this Tenbu. So for everybody at home, get ready. Here come the stats. This is the Tenbu... Junmai Ginjo. They are using Yamada Nishiki that they are somehow able to grow in this very volcanic area. <laughs> I thought of that too. And on yeah. the on the Tenbu website, it says Japanese rice, but I've sourced several other listings for this sake online that say it's Yamada Nishiki sake rice. And wow. it is for sure grown in Kagoshima. So I went there and said that this will probably be Yamada Nishiki, uh, but not confirmed by the brewery. So, hmm. but we're going with it. All right. Well, this this possibly Yamada Nishiki has been milled, whatever it is, to fifty percent of yes. its original size. Uh, the alcohol percentage is fifteen percent. Uh, it doesn't look like we have any other stats, unfortunately. Yeah. There's no acidity and no SMV given for this sake. Mm. So those All are right. so a we're mystery. <laughs> Great. Well, let's open it up and get it in our glass. Shall we, Tim? Okay, I've got it in the glass. All right, so do I. Nice and transparent. Looks relatively clear and clean. Relatively clear, but there is... A little something in there. If you take a look, there is... I don't know if it's uh, particulate or if it is um, air, air bubbles. So let's give it a smell. Yes. All right. Mmm. Very gentle aroma. Mm -hmm. Some restraint. Yeah. Faint fruit. Faint, Not but overwhelming. Yeah, I'm getting, you know, honestly, I, I have to admit my bias here. Like coming from the home base ground zero of shochu, I was expecting maybe a little more strong alcoholic based aroma, but it's mm-hmm. very gentle, almost floral. Almost. Yeah. I, I think there's a bit of a, there's that, a little bit of that, that, that fresh cut grass mm. for me. Yep. Which is always a nice, a nice one. We don't get that a lot. I really do yeah. enjoy it when I have that. Yeah, I keep coming back to the, just like an essence of fresh, herbaceous and floral bouquet yeah, kind it, of thing going on. Yeah, really nice. And as you mentioned, this is there is some restraint going on mm. here. It is not overwhelming in any right. way, not on the nose. And it's a lovely aroma. Yeah. Yeah, really pleasing. Gentle fruits, bit of floral. And some herbaceous notes grow, going on there too. Really, really nice. Mm. All right. How about we taste? Let's. 
Mmm. <laughs> that. There's a lot more fruit yeah. on the palate than there was on the nose. Yeah. And I don't know how, I mean, we don't have an SMV to judge off of as we usually do. But for me, this leans a, just a hint on the sweet side. Like there's mm -hmm. some sweetness there. The finish is not overtly dry. And it has a bit of richness to it. Like it coats my palate. And the sweetness lends this air of fruitiness to the palate. Like the, I get like uh, apple and um, some really nice fruity notes on the palate. And there's, there's a richness and a concentrated flavor that I really, really like. Yeah, this is delightful. Uh, it is a joy to sip this. It is so, so very nice. Mm. Yeah. My, instead of the usual like tropical fruits you may get, I'm getting more like apple and pear and just a, a little bit of a concentrated flavor. There's a richness there. There is. And there's for me almost a hint of maybe something autumnal as well. The, the richness brings in like if you think of apples in their more concentrated form like if you had like an apple tart and you have that lovely concentrated apple flavor from baked apples like that's a little bit in the range of what i'm tasting here hmm. it's not not a crisp bright fresh apple but maybe something a little bit more concentrated and syrupy and i really a more, like a little it more candied yes exactly that's okay. it I don't know if it's a power of suggestion going on, but I, I do see what you're saying for <laughs> yes. sure. Okay. Uh, but I just, I do really enjoy that it is, you know, it, it is a, a bigger flavor, mm. but in the fruit realm, instead of like, usually like, I think a lot of our bigger flavors tend to be uh, more rich, more, mm, more umami driven. Mm. Whereas this is so much more of a, a fruit driven experience. And I think that you're absolutely nailing it with the, the, um, what, what word did you use to describe it? I used candied, um, concentrated, the concentrated fruit yeah. is, yeah, it's really nice. It's very pleasant and it is, it does, it's a lot. And mm. I don't know if this is something that, that can just, you know, out, you know, an hour on the couch and I don't realize I'm sipping it. You know, you're drinking this. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, it's, I feel like you, you know, I know I'm drinking this, but I really enjoy the act of doing so. Yeah. So the second time I ever had this was actually at uh, Accidental Bar with a friend of the show, Austin Power, and he was pouring some of it for me and we were chatting about it a little bit. And he's like, can you believe these guys just started making sake and it tastes like this? Hmm. And I'm like, I, I, it's, it's amazing. He's like, it's such a flex. It's just like, <laughs> ah, make a sake is not so hard. Look. Yeah. <laughs> And they just like, we're making shochu for like 170 years. And then we're like, you know what? We can make sake. Boom. And then made this wonderful, unique, interesting fruity sake. Well, maybe 170 years of fermentation under their belt. You know, they, they know a few things. <laughs> yeah, they know a few things. Yeah. So I was, I was just going to ask you, John, about your experiences with shochu. If mm -hmm. you have any you want to well, share. I do actually. I 
had some shochu. Uh, I've had you know various shochu experiences here in the states, but nothing too concrete. But the last time that I was in Fukuoka, um, I had the opportunity to go out for drinks with Stephen Lyman, who uh, we mentioned earlier now has the Japan Distilled podcast, and he is very much known as the the shochu guy. He is. Uh, you know, formerly here in New York, instrumental in helping to get Shochu, uh, Shochu's profile raised here in New York. And now he lives over in Fukuoka. And he took us, he took Michelle and I out and taught us a little bit about Shochu. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really had a great experience and I got a much larger appreciation for this beverage out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have some exposure to Shochu as well because when I worked for one year at Hakkai-san in Niigata, Hakai-san is actually a shochu producer as well, but they make wow. exclusively shochus that are rice-based, whether it's the sake kasu or um, from rice themselves. And they're a little bit of a different beast than I think from the emo or potato shochus of the far yes. west and south of Japan. Definitely. Um, I think that when I taste uh, emo shochu, it makes me think, a lot of uh, gin. Mm. That's the main comparison to in my palate that like you know kind of comes into my mind when I taste it. Uh, whereas other types like the barley, I think the barley has a much more unique flavor profile to me. Oh, very it's distinct. More, a, yeah, yeah, very distinct, very interesting. Like to me, it just it tastes like barley shochu. I don't have anything else that that tastes like. Mm. Um, Personally, they also they also make shochu out of uh, brown sugar, mm-hmm. and they sure that's do. actually yeah. my favorite because that really reminds me of uh, artisanal rums. Oh wow! And I really enjoy those. So that was my, I came out of it with that being my favorite. Get some of that on the rocks, and mm. it's very very nice. Yeah, that's another big difference between sake and shochu is that sake, by law and definition, has to come from rice and rice alone. Yeah. Whereas shochu, you can make it from rice, you can make it from potatoes, you can make it from black sugar, and there's all these different barley and all a whole host of things that you can use to make shochu. And it's a big difference, I think, in the worlds of these two Japanese native alcoholic beverages. Yeah, there's a there is a, a lot of large differences, but you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities, such as the use of koji, things like that. It's really nice. It's a super interesting place to to dive into, and like you mentioned earlier, if you want to learn more, definitely check out Steve and Chris's show. They they are the shochu guys, and they, they go and they go deep. They go into it. <laughs> they do, and I feel yeah. a little bit like we're wandering around in shochu lands with our our two <laughs> two distilleries yeah. that make a little bit of sake on the side but it's fun to venture into a part of japan where we normally would never go so what's your big takeaway from this sake i'm very curious now that you've had a little bit of time to think about it and had some sips mm. yeah well I, I the one thing i'm left with thinking is that the shochu tends to be especially potato shochu from this mm-hmm. region, tends to be more flavorful, bold, in mm-hmm. your face, and impactful. And I find that it's interesting to taste 
a sake from a potato, sweet potato shochu maker and have it be rich, deep in flavor and impactful while still being super elegant and drinkable and delicious. So I feel like they've taken the best aspects of their style from making shochu and very consciously and beautifully applying that to the art of making sake, which is different. So what you said about it being a flex is really, really <laughs> true. So that that rings true to me more than anything else, that yeah. you cannot underestimate the skill that it takes to switch gears and begin in 2020 to yeah. making a premium, super delicious sake Zero, zero to 60. Like this is Tesla speeds here. You know, this is what like, your, was, <laughs> it's like, this was their pandemic hobby, right? They're like, <laughs> like some people learned how to like make sourdough. They were like, let's do sake. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. So, but this is the equivalent of like someone making sourdough in their kitchen and then suddenly being Opening a bakery, uh, a world-class yeah, bakery. World-class bakery. Yeah. I love that. That's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, just amazing. And yeah. super drinkable. Do you have any thoughts on pairing this sake with food? Uh, I haven't, to be mm. completely honest. Uh, both at the times where I've sipped on it, it's been an isolated you know, drinking experience, I guess, three times now. <laughs> mm. And I think that because it is such a bold and fruity experience, mm. it really does suit itself for that scenario. Mm. Uh, it is a bit heavy. Like maybe, mm. I don't know. I mean, it's not sweet enough. It's not tart enough where I would say dessert would be the place for it. I think that oh, this is a tough one, Tim. Mm. I always struggle with the tasting, so they're all tough yeah. ones for me, but this is especially <laughs> tough. Well, I'm going to venture into an area that may be less comfortable for you, JP, but Uh-oh. I'm thinking cheese. cheese. Cheese, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So John is not a huge fan of cheese, but I think a cheese pairing might be really good with this because it has that hint of sweetness, that coating, that fruitiness. And again, you know, if you have a bite of salty lactic cheese and then there's uh, dried fruit on the side or, you know, a bite of something sweet after nibbling on cheese, it's a wonderful uh, pairing. Mm -hmm. And I think this sake has enough richness and depth of flavor and sweetness to pair really well with a bite of crumbly cheese. So that would be something that I would really like to explore. Well, fantastic. I hope yeah. our listeners at home who get that if they can get their hands on a bottle of Tembu, we'll uh, take out a little cheese plate and have it alongside that. Yeah. You can't go wrong. So yeah. I'm, I'm honestly blown away by the sake. I think it's amazing. Yeah. When you told me that you had never tasted this, I was like, oh my goodness, he's going to be in for such a treat uh, mm. because it is a very unusual sake. We don't get a whole lot that's like this. This is fun to drink. It's big, it's bold, but it's fruity. Yeah. Usually the fruity stuff tends to be a little bit lighter, a little bit more reserved. This is a little bit more pow, except yeah. for the aroma, which was a little bit more reserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rich and it's candied. Like that's that's the yeah. word. That, this is what's oh concentrated, yes. concentrated, candied, and you know this is not a good comparison. But when you have a fruit cocktail and there's that syrupy liquid that it comes in, 
This is, (laughs) that's like sipping on that sounds horrible and that's not what I'm saying. It tastes like that, but that idea of having this But you can see it from here. You can, I can see it from here. I know, it's, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. That is, yeah. that is a very evocative and very, yeah. um, it really helps. It helps to put into words the experience yeah. of, of tasting this. And, and, you know, people at home, please don't, don't think that it tastes like that. It does not taste like the, 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 the syrup at the bottom of fruit salad. Not at all. <laughs> but, but it will make you think of that a little bit. It's a step in that direction. Yes. Yes, Totally. Yeah, and I did check the website for Tenbu, and this Junmai Ginjo is one of, I think, four or five sakes that they make. This one is exported to the States, which is a miracle in and of itself, but... That's, this in, just occurred to me. They've been brewing sake for two years. Two years, yeah. And they've already been importing the sake to the U.S. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I had it in, like, 2021. Hmm. So they've been, it took them a year to start exporting. That's, Which is unbelievable. That's on, un, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. But <laughs> they, they have, wasted no time. Yeah. In Japan, they have a Junmai sake, they have a Junmai daiginjo, mm. and they also have another sake that's made with omachi rice. And I knew Hello. that would catch your attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that I was very interested to taste what their Junmai was going to taste like. Yeah. Then you use the omachi word, and yes. now I'm. Now I'm a little distracted. Yeah, I think their oh. distribution is very limited, even in Japan. And oh. I think this is the only one from their small portfolio that is exported. So when we get back to Japan, if you're anywhere near a Kagoshima satellite store, <laughs> you can see if they have this they in have their one of sake. their two sakes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this was nice, Tim. Um, yeah. Today, I, it just occurred to me that today we got to sample... Fifty percent of the breweries in Kagoshima. <laughs> yes, we've never been able to represent like that on our show. We've tried a lot of sake from a lot of places, but I don't think we yeah. ever tried half of the sake from one place. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, John. Great to taste with you, and great to explore Kagoshima sake together. And if we ever get a chance to get our hands on sake from Hamada Shuzo in Kagoshima, we're going to taste that <laughs> we on can, the show, too. We can nail too. it down and get all of them. That's great. Yes. Then we'll get 100% coverage for our first prefecture ever. There you go. <laughs> we got to start right. low. We got to start somewhere. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. So great to taste with you, John. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And a special hello and thank you to all of our patrons. We really love our community on Patreon and thank our patrons so much. If you'd like to support Sake Revolution, please visit us at patreon.com slash sake revolution for more information. Yes, yes, yes. And Tim, before we go any further, there's something we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Sake Day is fast approaching. Oh, yes. yes sake yes, Day yes. is October 1st every mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that's right. And this year on Sake Day, there is going to be over in New York at Brooklyn Kura, there's going to be a little bit of a Sake Day event. Do you have some details that you can share with our listeners? Yes, we are doing a fantastic World Sake Day event at Brooklyn Kura Tap Room in Industry City, Brooklyn. And if you would like more information, you can go to the website sake day usa.com 
And there you can get information on tickets and the many varieties of sake we'll be pouring at that event. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Kura is going to be featuring a live Shizuku drip. So they're <laughs> going to be showing you uh, how sake can be pressed by using a drip method. And you can mm-hmm. only see that at a sake brewery. Yeah, yeah. And and of course, your two favorite hosts from Sake Revolution will be on hand, will be around, will be chit-chatting with everybody. We will be tasting and chatting about sake with you. Live and in person. Live and in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, we did this last year and it was a blast. So I'm really looking forward to it again. Yes, not live and on Zoom, but live and in person. <laughs> live and in person. Yeah. 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 yeah so be sure uh, to visit sakedayusa.com for all all the information on tickets and attending this fantastic event in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know, Tim, you mentioned earlier that we really do appreciate our patrons, uh, people who come front and center and support our show in the most direct way possible. But there are other ways to support our show. And did you know that we have swag or perhaps merch, <laughs> if you prefer? Uh, yeah, we've got some uh, an assortment of shirts and stickers and such on our website. Uh, you can go to SakeRevolution.com and you will find the link to the store page. And we've got some fun shirts that we're working on. We've got some fun stickers. And there's always more stuff being added to the store. And you know, Sake Revolution t-shirts are the perfect gift for the holidays. Oh, God. <laughs> It's only September, Tim. We can't start talking about the holidays <laughs> <No>. yet. <laughs> Actually, no. A lot of people plan early, and um, and I'm married to one of them. So, yeah, I yes. should probably be like, yes, Tim, absolutely. This is guerrilla marketing, John. <laughs> Stay with me. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thank you uh, once again for supporting us in every way that you do. We appreciate it. Yeah. So, without any further ado, please... Remember to keep drinking sake and Kampai!